WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this Friday morning. Roger Bouchard here, as I am uh, most of the time. Dick will be here, though, Brother Dick, on Monday. Uh, But uh, today isn't Monday. It's Friday, and we have a little format that we've uh, been following for a while. On Fridays, we begin um, with our real estate question of the morning. Bob Martin from Crossroads Real Estate Group is on our uh, live line. Let's make sure he's with us. Bob, are you there and ready to go? I am, Roger. Okay, we'll get to uh, the question in a moment. We're going to get a visit from the uh, school committee um, chairman today, Paul Bourget. I believe the superintendent is with him also, Dr. Patrick McGee. And we'll also uh, chat a little bit about our our um, black um, programming, our black um, month programming here on uh, WNRI. Jeff Gamash has uh, put together during Black History Month. Uh, some special programming that will be starting on Sunday afternoon here on the station, and we'll tell you more about that and other things, too. So please uh, stay with us. All right, let's um, check in with Bob Martin and uh, give him the real estate question of the week, as they say. Are you ready, sir? I hope so, Rod. All right, I hope so, too, because if you're not ready, this would be very embarrassing for me. But uh, and not needless to say for you, too. But I know you're always ready, so here it is. This uh, listener says, there is a house that is being advertised for foreclosure on my street. The question is, do people who bid at foreclosure sales usually get a good deal? I'm thinking of bidding... Is there any risk involved? What about this? Uh, everybody wants a good deal, especially especially in the current real estate market. What do you say? Yeah, we get asked this question pretty frequently. Um, there is risk involved, um, and lots of risk. And, and a neophyte or someone brand new to this uh, needs some help because they really can get burned. Um, everyone anticipates that when you bid in at a foreclosure sale that you're going to steal the property. Well, number one, let's assume it's the first mortgage that's foreclosing, which is usually the case. They've already done an appraisal on the property, and they know exactly how high they're going to go with bidding and then basically keep their mouth shut. So they usually open the bidding at something, and they will continue to be competitive if there are people bidding up to a certain amount, and then they'll basically say, we're happy with this amount here and we're not going to go any higher. So what's the risk to the buyer? Well, number one, up until the time that that lender physically, well, not physically, legally takes possession of the property at the foreclosure, um, most of the time the the people bidding and the lender do not get to go into the property. So the person bidding, if they are successful, um, has not seen the inside. The furnace could be gone. The copper pipes could be cut people could still be living in there. And if, in fact, they are the successful bidder, when they do take title, if the people are still there, it's up to the buyer, to uh, the new buyer, to um, evict the people. Uh, Secondly, um, most of the time, it's the first mortgage being foreclosed. But there are times where it's the second mortgage is being foreclosed. Well, 
that second mortgage, if they are successful and own it, have to pay out the first mortgage because it's in front of them. Well, if they get to a certain amount and, again, they keep quiet and this gentleman is a successful bidder on a second mortgage, he then has to deal with what's in front of it, what's senior to that mortgage. Uh, but most of the time, it is a, it is the first mortgage. But um, the fact that you're the owner, there are, there are liens, if you will, that will be able to do get in front of the mortgage. So when someone is going into foreclosure, chances are that they haven't paid the taxes regularly, they haven't paid the water bill, they haven't paid the sewer bill, it could be an IRS lien. All of that could be senior and water sewer and, and gas, um, water sewer and, and taxes are in front of the mortgage. So someone with a successful bidder at $50,000, there could be another $10,000 in liens in front of that mortgage that do not get wiped out by that mortgage, and they're going to have to pay them to get a clear title. Uh, we had one occasion where the man owned a business, um, and the IRS leaned his personal property. Um, I'm not a, an attorney, but somehow that lien was senior to the mortgage, and they had to work it out and come up with a solution to the IRS. So, yes, it, it, there are a lot of pitfalls. If anyone is thinking of doing that, number one, they should, they should get a title attorney in advance, have them what we call run the title, to make sure that, number one, the, the institution that's foreclosing is a first mortgage. Also, get a, a municipal lien certificate of sorts. Find out if the taxes are owed, what's owed in water, what's owed in sewer. So when that person is bidding, if, in fact, they are successful and own it, um, they know exactly what's in front of them. Most of the time, the people that are successful at these things or that, that, that are pros at it, they've done just that. Plus, they usually have the ability to do all of the repair work. So they're usually people that are in the trade or do flips so that they anticipate that, okay, even if they beat the house up, um, I have the wherewithal to, to fix it. But I honestly have never really seen someone be successful at a foreclosure sale and say, oh, I'm buying it in three weeks and I'm moving in. There's, there's all, it's always fraught with danger. Uh, if the people are still in the house, when, in fact, they are evicted, if you will, or decide to leave, there's no guarantee they're not going to beat the heck out of it. Um, I've seen some people that remained in it, and they kind of bragged about it. They sold a, they sold a furnace <laughs> uh, before they left and everything else that they could detach from the property. So um, if I were him, I would just not run down the street. There are people that, you know, that are successful in these things. Uh, now, not to prolong this, but that's totally different from buying a, a property that's owned by the lender. So once the lender forecloses, let's say there is a foreclosure and the lender owns it, they will then secure the property, they'll clear the title, uh, they usually list it with someone, and it takes a about a month to come on the market. But when you buy a bank-owned property, whether it's HUD, VA, or just a bank-owned property, you will get a clear and marketable title. There is no danger there. But the foreclosure, you need to know what you're doing because you really can get burnt. Bob, I have an email from a listener. I was wondering if I could uh, spring it on you right now. It's an interesting question. Um, mm -hmm. It says here, does riverfront property 
Is it a plus or a negative? The plus, in my opinion, is that it's got a beautiful water view, but the negative is it's going to be offset by my having to buy flood insurance. What's your take on it? Well, it all depends if it's on the Peters River, Rob. Um, <laughs> you mean like WNRI is? <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, now, usually lakefront property, riverfront property sells at a premium, okay? They usually go leave the market quickly. They're very desirable. Um, yes, there is a cost involved, which is, is flood insurance. In some cases, um, if you're buying riverfront or lakefront, uh, depending on where the house is located, depending if there's a slope that rises from, let's say, the river, you can apply if you have the right, um, if you have the right elevation, you can apply for what's called a LOMA, L-O-M-A, and that's an acronym for something. Um, but you hire a surveyor, and if in fact where the house is physically located is above a certain height, um, the rest of the property that goes down, let's say the lawn that goes down to the river, that could be in a floodplain. But if, in fact, the house itself, every square inch of that house, including the deck, is not a below a certain level, you can apply for an exemption and you do not have to get mortgage uh, flood insurance. So um, we've done that. You know, I haven't done the Loma, but we've advised people several times. Um a couple of them actually right along the dam in, in Boroughville near the, uh, the theater uh, where the homes were a little, the land rose from the river. They call that a river even though we look at it as a lake. Um, and, and in fact, because of the elevation of the property, it was outside the elevation of the flood zone and they didn't have to get flood insurance. So it's something to look at if you're looking to purchase. But most of the time when there is a riverfront, a lakefront property, you know, People will will pay the you know whatever cost it is reasonably to and and flood insurance is getting more expensive, but the, the desire to live on the water uh, usually particularly if it's a navigable or uh, like spring lake which is you can swim in it things of that nature where you know you can use it uh, they do sell at a premium and people are willing to pay the price. The um, <clears throat> emailer referenced the Clear River in Boroughville up. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, and I, I think I, I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and that would be, you know, again, desirable. Um, you know, when you're buying lakefront property, it's in, you know, I have an office in Chapachet, as you know, so we sell a certain amount of it. Um, you know, some of the factors that actually influence the prices, you know, can you, can you put motorboats on there? Can you water ski? Can you put a jet ski? Uh, whereas others say, no, there are no motor vehicles, so you can only have, an, you know, a trolling motor, if you will, um, and, or th- there is there is no activity allowed on it. You can look at it. You can step in it. Um, it also, a lot has to do with what end of the pond or whatnot is there. If, um, you know, one of my agents knows all of those lakes well, and he says, you know, a good part of the year once... Uh, if there's a little bit of a drought, the water comes down at this end and, you know, there's three inches of water and it's more like a mud pool as opposed to uh, a property that you can put a dock in or you can leave a, you know, has more depth. So, you know, it's not every waterfront that's worth a lot. Um, you don't want it to turn into a mosquito pond at certain times of the year. Um, but depending on the lakes, 
and whatnot. But as a general answer, lakefront, riverfront is desirable. And that clear river, I do believe it's the it's the one that actually goes right to the dam in um, in in Boroughville, um, kind of where the is a where the theater is and whatnot. I believe that's called the Clear River. So there are a lot of desirable, you know houses on that on that river all right well thank you for taking that question at the last minute and thank Not you for our, our answer on uh, on the other question too of uh, foreclosure property and we'll talk to you next week about the same time all right bob okay Rod. Thank, thank you bob martin crossroads real estate group park avenue here in woonsocket and uh, we'll be chatting with the uh, superintendent and the school committee chair in just a moment well, today is Friday, and Chucky's Ice Cream in Cumberland turns into Chucky's Fish and Chips on Fridays. Now, if you love fish and chips, and if you love clam cakes and chowder, for that matter, you'll want to order from Chucky's a little bit after 11 at 425-8023. Call ahead, and then pick up your order of fish and chips or clam cakes and chowder, or both, from Chucky's every Friday from 11 until 7 p.m. That number again is 425-8023. Chucky's Ice Cream of Cumberland is Chucky's Fish and Chips and Clam Cakes and Chowder on Fridays. Order at uh, 11 o'clock or beyond at 425-8023. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's the church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs reintroduces Flip Flop Wines, a California winery that has crafted a variety of wines that are fun, fruit-flavored with amazing taste. Listen to this. We have two bottles of Flip Flop Wine for $10, including Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pink Moscato, Regular Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. Again, two bottles for $10, mix and match. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In Six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and Moscato choices. And yes, again, two bottles for $10. And we continue with the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. New hours for the convenience of customers, open daily at 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. For a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits, you can count on Champs Liquors, 481 Clinton Street. Have a question? Call 765-1800 and speak to Mike the Manager. Just when the holidays are over and I think there's nothing more to think about financially. But then February and March always get me thinking about how i got to get my taxes done, get my finances organized, my receipts, my deductions. And I don't just want to walk into one of those stores because that seems not very personal. So I start thinking about getting my tax return done by a CPA. Just saying it makes me feel better. They have all those years of experience. Most have a master's in finance or accounting. That's the kind of knowledge I need for my taxes. Yes, I'm going to a CPA this year. That makes me feel a whole lot more relaxed. 
With a CPA, you get a professional with a higher education, more years of training, and a greater breadth of knowledge than the rest of the pack. This tax season, don't trust your finances to anyone less. Hire the best. A CPA. Few prepare as rigorously. Brought to you by Care Kasha, certified public accountants and business consultants. Call 732-8900 for your appointment. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel has reconvened on Friday, and uh, so from the subject of real estate, we go to the subject of education, and particularly public education. And uh, that means uh, on Friday, we uh, get a visit from the superintendent of schools for the city of Woonsocket, Dr. Patrick McGee. He's in studio, and also from the school um, board chairman, uh, that is Paul Bourget, and both of them are in studio. Gentlemen. So that we know that the microphones are working, would you please say hello? Good morning, Roger. Good, good morning. morning, listeners. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, everyone. Everything sounds good here. And welcome to the program. I thought we would um, let you off the hook, Patrick, and talk about Barry Field for a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's leaving him <laughs> off the hook. <laughs> right. That's right. a funny joke, right? Roger. <laughs> so, off the hook. <laughs> all right. I thought maybe we would leave this more in a, in a political realm uh, than, uh, shall we say, a uh, uh, policy and education realm. But um, anyway, but you're welcome to chime in. Sure. Should you care to risk sure. your job hey, now thank you <laughs> so, so now, now let's get to it um mister i i had intended last week to ask you about this but uh, it's actually more timely this week uh, than it was uh, last week and i'm putting it at the front end of the program uh because i wanted to uh, understand whether first of all whether the school committee has a unified position on the subject of uh of Barry Field and 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 where do you personally stand on it? So let's begin with Paul Bourget's opinion, and then uh, then see if you can uh, represent school committee views on Barry Field. That has become the hot topic, hasn't it, Roger? Yes. Uh, so the way I see it, and uh, and this is not just today's opinion. This is goes back uh, to reading the the lease agreement the purchase agreement the city bought the land in 1925 26 um and um the school for $75,000 and the school committee was given charge over the use of the fields through the trust uh where the restrictions on the deed was that were that on the fields at Barry Field could only be used as an athletic complex for practice fields, for game fields, and if down the road um, a school had to be built there, uh, that'd be one of its allowable uses. And so for 95 or so years, plus years now, that's been the rule. Now, I've been hearing a lot on the afternoon show here, talk show, uh, on WNRI, and I've heard it on a Saturday show, and, I, and walking around the street, you still hear people saying, geez, if they move all the fields to Bar- all, the, all the athletic fields to Cass Park, what's the problem? Well, there's the, before you even get past that sentence, you have to understand what is Barry Field used for? Because I would say that 95 to 99 percent of our community has no clue what goes on at Barry Field? It is not, and I'll say it this way, it is not 
used only for a one game of football each week in the fall. It is not. It is not used by the football team for one practice a week during the fall. It is used by several teams. There are five and a half fields used at Barry Field from Monday through Friday. And you've got a football team that uses one and a half fields. You've got a football team that uses the game field. So there's two and a half fields that are being used every week. You also have soccer fields, boys and girls. So that's two fields. And we have a field hockey team. That's another field. So there's five and a half fields that you have to provide for. And you look at the rendition that we were given by the mayor in October of this past year. This beautiful, gorgeous rendition of Cass Park. We looked at it and said, there's only two fields here. Frankly, it's a football field and one practice field. It's not enough. Now, the mayor said this was conceptual. She also provided a Barry Fields rendition of what she was thinking about doing with the field. But the problem is you can't fit the fields at Barry Field, all the uses at Cass Park. In addition, at Barry Field, there is a, there's a clubhouse, an athletic field house that has the locker rooms, showers, a storage area. Uh, for our teams, boys and girls. There's also sheds. Uh, you call them tool sheds, but they're equipment sheds to put in a lot of the equipment that we use at Barry Field. There's none of that in this rendition. So before, the way I look at it personally is, well, this is a no-brainer. You can't move the fields from one to the other. It doesn't fit. You know, I've heard that we've got 66 or 68 acres at Cass Park, but a lot of that is unusable. We have a pond, we have a brook, which is by, what is it, a waterway, it's a protected water. Uh, you, have a, you have a pond, you have a hill that folks think it's only made of, what, gravel? It's got to be ledge there. In New England, hills are usually uh, the dirt sits on top of ledge of some kind. So we don't even know if this rendition is doable. But right now, it's, it, you can't move the fields. And on top of that, there's not enough parking. You can say, well, there's a parking lot there. There's a little parking lot near the pond. But we have, when we have events at Barry Field, some of the games, especially the playoff games, okay, and the graduation, you, you're parking throughout the field. There's buses there. Lots of buses. Alley Queen of Modest parking lot is full. Stop and Shop parking lot is full. All the way up and down the street is full. So we don't have, we have not even considered that here. So from my point of view, no, you can't even get off square one. I cannot even contemplate moving the fields from uh, Barry Fields, the athletic fields. It's an athletic complex. It's not a, fl- a piece of land where nothing's occurring, Roger. It's being used daily. Okay? It doesn't look it, but it is being used by our, by our coaches, by our players. Parents at times come. There's a lot of activity. Now, if we use these fields the way they're contemplated here, because we've had no discussion with the mayor, 
or her administration, and the school department has had no discussion with, with the mayor, the, the principal, the athletic director, no one. This came out of nowhere. Okay, this plane that we saw, you have to have that kind of conversation and say, we have to really work at this and try to figure out, can it work? Can, can Caspark be con, uh, transformed into an athletic complex? If it can't, it's possible that a portion of, the, of, of Barry Field would still be used, has to be used for, for the fields, the practice fields. And that's not a small deal. If you've played any kind of sports or you see any kind of sports team, they practice. You can't go into a game situation without practicing. That's disaster. And you can't, right now, we would have to have practices scheduled. If we were using this, the, the rendition, we would, have to use, we would have to actually schedule practices late in the day where some teams might start practicing at 6 o'clock. So right now... First question, you can't move the fields without a lot of discussion. And if I can't move them, then right off the bat, Paul Bourget says, I'm fine. Now, let's continue. What about the rest of the school committee? Are they basically... Uh, school committee, well, uh, as uh, at, our, we, at a closed session, we, uh, after our closed session this past week, we had a five to nothing vote to engage an attorney, a real estate attorney, to look into the deed. We know the answer, but we want to verify the answer that, that deed, those deed restrictions are rock solid. So we were unanimous in our discussion uh, about this. Everybody's concerned about the education aspects uh, for our kids. Athletics is important to our students. Everybody knows that. Everybody believes that, understands that. But to nilly-willy move fields when you haven't really thought it through well the answer has to be no so we're of one mind at this point so So you're hiring an attorney to make sure that you're on firm ground to no to verify actually to give us the reason why why the uh the restrictions are rock solid because this is a trust this this is on it's to me it's an unbreakable lease but i'm not a lawyer and we have a general counsel, so we, we engaged a real estate attorney who's had, who's had a lot of experience with land and deeds. And I would rather have that second look to verify what we know. That's, what, that's why we engaged them. What's so your time frame on getting that answer from the real estate attorney? Soon. I'll say it soon. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm hoping uh, by the end of the month that we'll know. Uh, one uh, other thing, uh, Mr. Bourget, before we get to uh, a report on what's going on in our schools. Um, if the topography were correct at Cass Park, yep. getting about ledge and stuff like that, um, and we could have all the practice fields that we wanted at Cass Park, uh, would you still feel the same way about Barry Field? Because if you hire that, league, that real estate attorney and the real estate attorney says um, you can have all the practice fields you want in one part of the city but you still can't sell it for commercial purposes the issue is that's a heck of a hypothetical while we have no hill we have no ledge uh, that may not be the case so it's a hypothetical that you can't just say well i can overcome it first of all the ledge is there the hill is there the waterways are there 
So practically, show me how you're going to do that. But let's say, let's work on your hypothetical. I don't know if the school committee, even though we're in charge, has the right to look at that lease and break the lease. If those restrictions are there, and we may find that we can't break those restrictions, they're there. So that it's, those, those fields will have to be used for educational purposes and not be sold. Then it's a conversation, and we, we are planning conversations with the city council to determine what could be done there. We don't want to let it go. I don't want to turn that into a strip mall. Let's think about that. You want to think, of, I mean, that's what I've heard. Let's turn this into a strip mall. Let's bring a food market in there. Let's put some solar panels. There's a lot of things that could be done there. That's still education where funds could come to the school. But you put a strip mall up there, what's that, what's that going to do? you got Darling Village next door. You have, right now, three supermarkets within a mile of each other. You're going to have Providence Street that is completely going to be built over. Something's going there. And so with the traffic pattern, what are you going to do? You're going to have to extend that whole area, that road, into four lanes. If you don't, not only do we have a snarl, it's going to be worse than Route 2 in Cranston and <laughs> uh, Warwick. It's going to be worse than that. That's bad. <laughs> so when you think about that, I'm, I, I am not, a, 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 my expertise certainly is not in landscaping. It's certainly not in business. But I'll tell you this, my charge is to protect the education. And, and if those fields have to be used for education purposes, then we got to figure out what purposes could be, could be used for, what those fields could serve education-wise. So I wouldn't be, I'm not up for selling the fields at all. And that's my opinion. Uh, and Are you sticking it, to it? Oh, my opinion? You know me better than that. <laughs> yes. Because I have to be convinced that we would not need those fields at all for education purposes. And how many mistakes have been made by saying never when all of a sudden there's an oops? I'm going to close the discussion. Can I say one more thing? Sure. We got rid of 2nd Avenue School, the 5th Avenue School, the Social Street School. And there was a time in the last couple of years where we would have loved to have an, an open school, a ready-made school, especially when we had issues with HVAC, uh, we had issues with boilers. It would have been great to have another building when we had um, a mold problem. We had no way to put our kids. They had to thank God they could go virtually. But we would have been stuck. And because... Gee, nothing, nothing bad's going to happen. Well, we had we had no additional buildings to put our kids in, so uh, to give up Barry Field, it's not going to be done by me. Well, I played a soundbite a little bit earlier in our newscast where uh, John Ward, Vice President of the Council, talked to Larry Poitras last night. My takeaway from the soundbite is that uh, as far as this Barry Field discussion is concerned, this is a long way off from anything happening, uh, and um, so. I would agree I, with that. I think Mr. Ward was saying, don't get too excited about this because uh, this is not uh, imminent. The people who want to rush to get this done are saying, well, my taxes are going to go down. This is going to be, a, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to build, you're going to sell Barry Field, fix it, into, or sell it, or put up a strip mall, or whatever you're going to do over there. And in the meantime, the, here they are at Cass Park working, you know, drilling into ledge. Uh, having issues to fit everything, and now we have no fields. What do we do now? Do we uh, put in a phone call to uh, North Smithfield, Cumberland, uh, wherever to play 
play football and, and play all our other sports? Is that what we do? That would be a, a bigger mistake. So it is a long-term project, but that deed, we, it begins with the deed, and it's rock solid. It's that strong. So we don't think we're going to have to do much of anything, but uh, I'm interested in the Caspar. Everyone is. We'd love to have this. The best, you know what I've heard the best quote? I'm going to quote him again. <laughs> Our principal looked at this and came up with the shortfalls of Barry, of Caspark to fit everything. He said, you know what? We're being offered a two-seater Porsche, and I'd love to take the two-seater Porsche, but I need a minivan because I got a lot of, I got a big family. Okay. Well said. Um, Patrick McGee, superintendent of schools, the way I'm going to uh, pose my question to you this morning as, um, Contrast uh, the week from Monday through today with Woonsocket Public Schools as to what is going to happen next week in Woonsocket Public Schools, or is it the same? So we're going to stay the course. Uh, as you know, and as uh, many listeners know, this week we brought back our 10th, 11th, and 12th graders at Woonsocket High School. They were scheduled to come back on Tuesday, however, um, you know, due to the, to the weather conditions. Tuesday was a virtual day for all students, so Wednesday was their first day back. Um, I had conversations with Mr. Henderson and and his team at the high school, and uh, thus far, uh, Wednesday, Thursday went um, very well. Um, so we're excited. They're excited. Uh, staff's excited for students to come back in a hybrid model, and that is going to be um, you know what it's going to look like for the uh, you know the, the the near future at least. Um, so. Yeah, it's, we're, it, it's exciting where, you know, again, we'd, I'd love to bring back more students at this point in time. Um, we're not, but we're very excited and very happy for our uh, high school students to, to return again. You know, though, and those are the, the students whose parents uh, felt as though they, you know, they would prefer them to, to return. Not all returned, but I would say probably um, in terms of the numbers, about 50% of each grade um, has returned. As you look at the numbers... Uh, Paul Boger, chairman of the school committee, we're seeing some decreasing numbers um, in Rhode Island and, and Massachusetts. Uh, do those numbers play a role in any of uh, your decisions um, uh, in terms of people getting the virus, or or is the school department kind of a distant from uh, those kind of statistics? We take a look at the numbers. Uh, we monitor the the, uh, the infection rate on an ongoing basis, the city's rate, the state's rate. And, you know, the state is very happy because the, the, the uh, rate of infection is down. That's because the governor has almost ordered, didn't order, but suggests strongly that everybody gets tested every week. Get tested. So the more tests you have, hopefully you're going to have a smaller number of the rate of infection will be lowered. Not because there's any lower number of cases. We still have quite a few cases. The point is, we're still, we're testing a heck of a lot more, so the rate of infection is lower, but not necessarily the number of cases. So we're still concerned, and one of the things we did hear from, uh, from Ride, it's the adults that are catching the disease, not the kids. So if you open up the schools full time, you're going to be, you could be bringing in the disease from the adults by the adults. Now, the adults, our teachers, are afraid, many of them are afraid to come in. Because it's the adults that get the disease who are more susceptible. The governor says, look, it's in the Department of Health says it's, schools are safest. Sure, for the kids. And, and, and we're COVID clean. But that doesn't mean you can't bring it in. And so we constantly, we would rather be conservative 
and stay on hybrid until the vaccines, we're through with the vaccines, everybody's vaccinated, so now we can feel a lot safer for both our, te- uh, for our teachers, administrators, custodians, secretaries, as well as our students. So it plays an important part, but we're, we're staying conservative. So a lot of the same people are being tested over and over again, and they were negative to begin with. Correct. Negative, 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 negative. Sure. I get it. That pads the stats. Uh-huh. That's the stats. I like it. Uh, earphones on. Uh, do you have earphones in front of you? We have uh, somebody waiting here. We'll see if we can uh, put in a, a question and uh, see if we can get an answer. Do you have a question for uh, the superintendent or the school committee chair? Yes, I do. Um, I live in the area of Barry Field. Yes. And I can tell you when Dowling Village was, was put forth, we were led to believe that they did a traffic mm-hmm. study from that area to Union Square, which is where the Beef Barn, etc., Providence Street intersection. They did not. If you try getting out of the streets across from Barry Field, it's very, very dangerous. If anything's going to be done, there better be one great traffic study. And they never mentioned that. Not with the development on, on Providence Street. Uh, not with uh, turning Barry Field into another Dowling Village. This is more that like a question for the mayor than forth. it is for the school committee, though, right? Well, it should affect them, and if they ha- think mm-hmm. they have a case, it that should be put forward in mm-hmm. the discussion as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And if they want it, they can take it, put a street out on Murray Street. See how the residents there will survive. Okay, go ahead, Paul. Okay. I agree with you. Um, I think it's a problem. It's a major problem, uh, the traffic patterns and the snarl that will be created um, whatever you do with Barry Field. I mean, right now, when we have a game or we have graduation, everybody knows, oh, no, today's graduation. Uh, let's not go by Park Avenue. Let's not go by Providence Street, though, so we can't get there. Uh, let's not do that. So let's not do that at all. Um, so that's only, that's only a, to me, a byproduct of, of doing something with Barry Field other than maintaining the athletic complex that we have. Uh, which is the most important. We've got to make sure the fields are protected, and wherever we put them, there's sufficient number of fields and equipment and parking to accommodate the needs of the athletic program. Okay, I, I thank you very much. So please, thank you. when you put that, that your, your uh, argument forward, mention traffic studies. If the, a traffic study can be put forth in a positive way, let me tell you. I'll pay for half of that field. Can't go through. Thank wow. you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate your call, and thank you for uh, your uh, input on to the program. Back to uh, Woonsocket uh, Public Schools. And um, as we start looking uh, looking out here, we're already in February. And Mr. Uh, uh, Superintendent of Schools, do you have time to think about things like graduation? <laughs> And and how that's going to how that's going to roll out this year, and whether it's going to look like next year, or last year rather. We've been thinking about it. Um, you know, the the one thing that we have going for us this time is that we have time to to consider what it could look like. You know, everybody knows last year it was just sort of um, this all you know was was um, was put in our lap in in you know the end of March, and and yeah. we weren't we were unsure what was going to happen. So at least. This year, we do have um, more months to prepare for what graduation could look like. Um, you know, un- unless things 
really change dramatically with respect to the the guidelines for social gatherings um, outdoors. Uh, we may be looking at uh, a similar type of uh, graduation to last year. Um, we haven't made any decisions yet. Um, and as Chairman Bourget said a few moments ago, you know, we're, we're looking at the data. We're looking at the, the number of, um, you know, of, of students and staff who are, are positive. And, you know, we'll make those decisions. You know, I'd, I'd like to make those decisions sooner rather than later, certainly. Um, but right now we, we haven't made a decision, but we're starting the process of looking at uh, what's graduation going to look like in June. All right. Any uh, other um, announcements uh, to make from uh, the Woonsocket uh, School Department uh, that our listeners uh, should be aware of? You have the microphone, either one of you. No, stay the course. Yeah. Stay fluid. Mm-hmm. Next week, we bring on some new things. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, again, you know, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank, you know, the parents and the students and, and teachers and staff and administrators. Uh, this is, you know, it's a cliche. I'm going to say it again. It's, it's, it's very difficult for everyone. Um, but I just really appreciate the, uh, the hard work um, that everyone's put in. And, you know, we're going to get through this, um, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. But we will. Um, and I'm just really proud of the work that, that everyone here in the city and in the school department has done to, to make you know, a really bad situation is, is positive and, and as good as we can. I echo the same sentiments as Dr. McGee. Um, our parents, our teachers, our students have to be commended uh, for the hard work that they're doing uh, to keep the education system going, for the hard work the students are doing in gain, getting their education, and the teachers for providing it. Uh, it's an incredible time, and we hope we can get the vaccines in uh, into everyone's arms sooner than later. Uh, so we all can feel a lot safer, and then we can bring everybody back to school. And do you have any any kind of a position on um, um, teachers getting the vaccine? I know the lieutenant governor uh, had a position about it, but it looks like um, the focus has shifted to 75-year-olds and above, and that seems to be where the where the uh, where the inoculations are headed, and not in the arms of school teachers. You know, I think at the same time that you're inoculating the elderly and the uh, the age groups, you should also consider the teachers are frontline workers. You know, they have inoculated police and fire and uh, hospitals. They should be inoculating the teachers because they deal with a lot of people, a lot of the public. They're on the front line. And everyone's saying that uh, the emotional uh, problems and the psychological problems are present for our kids. They need the social interaction with their, with their fellow uh, students, with their classmates. Then teachers need to be inoculated uh, before, because you've got to make them feel safe. If the kids are going to be safe, you've got to make sure the adults are going to be safe. So I would, I would say they should be inoculated at the same time. You consider I, them frontline workers. I do. I, you know, I, I think that um, I, I, I applauded Lieutenant Governor McKee. You know, when he initially came out and said that he he believed that teachers should be um, inoculated, and you know, it's, it's disappointing now that you know he's he's shifted um, his stance. But I would say the, the the quickest way to 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 get back to normalcy is to. Uh, vaccinate staff, teachers and staff. That's that's the quickest way. If we want to bring our students back to our schools quickly, um, that's the way to do it. 
Thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today. We'll see you next week. Thank okay. you, Roger. Until then. All right, time out for this message. The YMCA is here for your family through these challenging times. Although there is much uncertainty about back to school, the YMCA now offers YMCA out-of-school time programming for grades 1 through grade 7. Full day, full week distance learning programming, financial aid available for those who qualify. Distance learning support, art, swimming, and physical activity. And breakfast and lunch are provided daily. They're licensed by DHS. Enhanced safety and disinfecting procedures. So register today at your Woonsocket YMCA, 18 Federal Street, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Or call 401-769-0791. Great service and delicious food, says Kathleen on Facebook. JR wrote a jewel in Woonsocket. That's what customers say about Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. 476 Rathbun Street. For instance, our meatballs are made fresh with a combination of seasonings. The result, delicious. And we pride ourselves on fresh, made-from-scratch dishes, like our pasta bolognese. Check out our Facebook page for upcoming specials. Family-style chicken, always available. Hi, this is Gina Savini, inviting you to Join us at our family-owned businesses, Savini's or Ciro's. Perfect for any event. All right. Savini's uh, will be uh, open today at noontime. Yes, on um, on Fridays, uh, they open um, at noontime for your convenience. And uh, that means uh, you can get some uh, nice seafood items, if you like, or uh, any kind of other food. Yeah, if you want uh, family-style chicken on a... Um, Friday afternoon at 1223. Yeah, you order it and we'll bring it to your table. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Well, thank you and welcome back to uh, the third segment of the Upfront program. And certainly uh, we heard a lot about Barry Field and at last uh, segment of the program from uh, school committee chair Paul Barger. And uh, the takeaway from that one is that uh, they've hired a real estate attorney to um, evaluate and uh, maybe uh, reposition themselves on on that uh, deed that says that Barry Field should remain a uh, athletic or school purposed uh, field. And uh, the real estate attorney will give them opinion, and as Mr. Bourget said, soon. Uh, that um, that position should be held by the school committee, or is it flexible a little more than it was uh, show, uh, at least uh, the way they thought it was. So that's why they've hired the real estate attorney. That ought to be interesting. We'll keep uh, an eye on that one. Joining us for the last half of the program is uh, Jeff Gamash, and we're proud here at WNRI to be observing uh, Black History Month, as uh, we do every year. This year, because um, things were a little bit different um, in terms of the Martin Luther King uh, celebration in January, uh, there was um, a toned-down, uh, shall we say, uh, observance. Uh, so we decided to tone it up in the month of February here at WNRI. And uh, Jeff put some programming together, and it starts on Sunday, and he's got the microphone to tell you about it. Yeah, the other event happening Sunday. <laughs> you have the Super Bowl, and you have this, uh, the launch of this great program, which uh, I'm proud for the first time in 26 years. This is now my 26th year, a series. I've never made a series, so it's been fun for me to put this together, and educational as well. We're going to be counting down the top 50 most influential black mu- music artists of all time, and we've really touched 
just every genre of music here from jazz, blues, R.B., Motown, funk, rap, hip-hop music. Perhaps, Roger, some songs heard on WNRI for the first time, we might be able to say. Uh, but there's not a genre we haven't touched, including gospel, uh, classical, and even Broadway. Uh, the countdown starts this week. It will run every Sunday starting at 4 p.m., and it all begins this week. We'll go from 50 to 41. In addition to the countdown of these great artists, uh, we are also putting a few honorable mentions because there's always a few that are left off that 50 list that, boy, I would love to mention these folks. So we've included some honorable mentions. And we've also expanded, especially this week, biographies on other black Americans that made huge impacts in our culture. For instance, Colin Powell, Arthur Rash. President Barack Obama. Uh, we have Muhammad Ali, Tyra Banks, Harriet Tubman, the Tuskegee Airmen, um, Sidney Portia, the actor. So we're expanding as well uh, with some uh, brief biographies scattered throughout the next four weeks. This weekend, you'll hear from the world of blues and jazz, such artists as Thelonious Monk and Little Walter Howlin' Wolf, uh, the great Dinah Washington. Uh, you'll also hear uh, from the uh, country music world with uh, Charlie Pride, Tina Turner. We're not going to tell you how they ranked. Um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five from the hip-hop, one of the big impactful uh, groups of the early 80s. It is going to be a fantastic series, again, over the next four weeks. And we're looking at a two-hour finale on the final Sunday uh, of uh, February. So please do join us. Again, it's 4 o'clock here on WNRI. You can hear it on the AM 1380, 99.9 FM. But also, the stream is a great way to listen to this programming at WNRI.com. So lots of ways to listen. And the great thing about Countdowns, Roger, is it always garnishes good discussion on rankings and people saying, well, this artist and that artist. So I look forward to hearing back from the public as well as we go through the top 50 most influential black music artists of all time. Thank you. And now some housekeeping uh, chores. Uh, the Rotary Club calendars. Uh uh, for February, people bought them for $10, and here are the winners for today and tomorrow. For that matter, we pulled the uh, drawing for tomorrow. The winner for today, $50 in cash, is uh, Sue Hanwha. Sue Hanwha is the winner of $50 in cash, the Friday prize on the February calendar for the Rotary Club. And uh, the Rotary Club announced um, yesterday that they made over $3,000 in this double what they did uh, last year to show how uh, people are, are uh, helping out the Rotary Club during the pandemic uh, time. And tomorrow's drawing is a $25 gift certificate to the Bocce Club restaurant. And uh, we pulled the number on that one. And Bill Vangel is the winner of that. Bill Vangel wins a $25 uh, Bocce Club gift certificate and Sue Hanwha wins the $50 in cash and they will be notified by the Rotary Club very, very shortly. And the final housekeeping chore is uh, somebody wanted to know what is that telephone number for the Senior Center for the Vaccine Registration? Uh, 766-3734 is a number. 766-3734 between 9 a.m. and 3 do you have any final words, Jeff? No, just uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Tom Brady. And uh, please, again, join us Sunday at 4 o'clock before the game for our this countdown. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. 
Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.